0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Um, Look, I did take the weekend off here because, look, we're getting closer to the point where there will be zero time to take off um, with Mrs. Lloyd's birthday, and obviously, combine that with the fact that she wasn't feeling very well, a little more hands-on daddy duty, Um, but we're back here to get at it, and it's going to be, obviously, you know, the way this season is going to go here, the... The unavailability, it's not really going to be an option if all goes the way it's going to go. So we are going to get into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your local experts on the biggest stories brought to you by Hotels.com. Um, whether it's social media or whether it's talking about what you're seeing on social media with friends, don't get upset. Don't hate Like the fact that people are going away doing things. Hotels.com does not discriminate. Go to them yourselves. Set up some nice plans. Get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Uh, Pete, one one month from now, it will be, be July 24th, and there will be no excuses of missed flights, whether you're a Des, Des Harrison or anything of that nature. Um, people will be making their way towards Cleveland Browns, Training camp, obviously, first practice is on the 25th. Um, I know everybody's excited. They've been getting into their tickets and everything today, and, you know, good for that. Uh, and, obviously, it seems a lot uh, A lot of teams are being very, very stingy with their availability. I know here the Jets only have three open practices, and then they do their team scrimmage at uh, Rutgers, Rutgers University. That's the only availability. So, uh, Browns fans, be appreciative, be excited, because you're getting a really good option here to get to see a lot of this early hand um, Pete, some thoughts on that, but also look—I mean, there's a month to go. We got a, we got a lot to do here before this training camp actually kicks off.
1: So, uh, you—you'd think that all the rookies are signed. Uh, I'm stunned to know, learn that Nick Bosa is has not signed his contract. And there, and...
0: well, let's see. Well, let's see. Was there? It's not like he didn't have a. Bro- I, at this point, I'm assuming he's got the same agency as his brother, and we already danced this dance a few years ago.
1: It, true, but I like and and you know it is a it is a month away, and yet I saw an article teasing the idea about a holdout. It's a month off, and it and we're talking about a, a potential holdout, which just seems so. Which is boring. especially
0: over nickels and dimes, and essentially, I mean, it's not even over money. It's got to be over contract language because everybody knows what the money is.
1: Right, usually it's about offset language, but he's the number one pick. I mean, like you're not going to. Oh number yeah that's right number 2 I can't imagine you're going to hard ass them over offsets at, at number 2 um but yeah it's it's just weird and, and 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 you know it's it's great to be in an NFL world where you know you take for granted the idea that rookies have to sign uh as opposed to where you know you know it wasn't that long ago before the CBA where you had these extended holdouts that were nonsense and and really held held these guys back uh, that that you know the, everything with the Browns is is you know let's get let's get these guys going and, and and get to practice there's no lingering you know question from that standpoint so that's that's refreshing I mean th- that's that's the the biggest thing I've seen I mean realistically when it comes to this type of stuff you um, I I see the Browns and I don't, I'm not entirely sure if they cram this all into like one or two days or they, you know, they really have all these rookies running around and doing all this shit all the, all the time, but they, they've had their rookies do a lot of stuff. And, uh, I, I'm interested in the idea that, you know, again, if they're, if they're stretching this out or if this was all over the course of like two days with that hall of fame trip, um, if they're just trying to basically find a way to keep these guys busy to ensure nobody does anything stupid uh, in addition to, you know, having them do outreach and all that good stuff.
0: Well, I mean, and you bring up a good point on this, you know, whether it's the trips, whether it is the youth football camps, whether it's the going to speak at schools and Pete, who are we kidding? We know this is part of it. Part of it is, is you just got a large chunk of change in your pocket. Don't do Go, don't go do stump it, something stupid. Chris Herndon last year uh, signed his Jets contract. Three days later, what happened? Chris Herndon got arrested for a massive DWI. Um, and Chris Herndon, it was actually funny because I was talking with some guys, uh, you know, because yeah, there's a, a nice contingent of, you know, Buffalo radio stations, and those guys are really good, and they really talk a lot of ball. And one of they were talking, you know, now that Gronkowski is gone, who's the best tight end in the AFC East? And I saw the string of tweets, and I'm like, Chris Herndon, the second-year kid out of Miami? And then I went through and I dug through everybody's roster, and I was like, damn, that may be right. But Browns fans, here's the good thing. We're not going to see Chris Herndon this year. Chris Herndon is going to eventually get hammered down with a two-game suspension, which means Chris Herndon will not be available week two. Um, But that's part of what you're doing, though, is, you know, and look, and and also what you're trying to tell them is, and no, they don't have to do it. But it's a good thing to do it. And also maybe you start holding their hand through it. Like maybe you want to go back to where you came from or where you grew up. And you want to start, you know, throwing a youth camp yourself because, you know, you always want to find a way to give back. And I think they've been doing, you know, there is there is the good part of that. But, yeah, Pete, I mean, who are we kidding? A lot of it is 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 we don't want to get that call at 3.35 in the morning that you're with Officer So-and-So and Officer So-and-So. And it's not like Richard Higgins now, where I think it's just a comical thing, Pete, where they pull him over because they just want to meet him.
1: Right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I know they're, they are, I think they're off now because, like, I know Gritty Williams had talked about how he he, uh, he gave, um, you know, there, there are a couple things that were really interesting in his media availability, but the one thing he sort of highlighted that, Uh, that's interesting is he was talking about his two-year-old daughter and how he wanted to go home and, you know, take her to Disneyland and all that and and do a bunch of that type of stuff uh, before he comes up to training camp and it's all uh, football and all that, which, you know, on the one hand, you know, obviously you want your guy to be focused, but he does, present that interesting dynamic of being a kid that young uh, who has a child and then, you know, trying to balance being the good parent with the super dedicated football player. And the idea that you have to be, you know, in in, a, in the sport, you have to be full go all the time that like you're, you're, You know, in order to provide for you know your daughter in this case, that you have to be balls to the wall, full out. That it pulls you away uh, from her and and sort of limits what you're able to do with with her at that point.
0: Well, the you know even more so probably with girls, and this is where I can come from speaking uh, you know with experiences. Yeah, that Disney thing. And look, if his daughter's two years old, she's not going to know how it came about. But for him to get, you know, a couple of pictures with, you know, the princess, and she's wearing her own princess costume, that's a daddy rite of passage. And because even still, you know, and this is one thing you got, you know, uh, a lot of people won't understand is is when he gets there and this first training camp opens, this is already the path towards the second contract. I want to ball the hell out because now it's not taking my daughter to Disney It's calling Disney and saying, I'm going to drop, you know, with the second contract, uh, contract, if I send a private plane and 200 grand, can you send some princesses to Louisiana to my little baby girl's fifth or sixth birthday party once he hits the second contract? That's where you're going, but that's what it is now, because once you're in camp and you've got that first deal, it's working towards the second deal, and you want to make the most of every opportunity, and... We've talked about this with Greedy. Greedy did not live a great life growing up. Very difficult. Uh, You know, mom did everything she could, but, you know, she was kind of doing it by herself. So, you know, for a kid like him, you know, and especially there's going to be in the back of his mind... You know, I, I think I went maybe 20 to 30 picks way later than I should have. And, you know, once you see all that money start slipping away, the juices start flowing to try and get it back. But you like to see that. And to hear him say that as opposed to, you know, way back in the day, it was let me go get my H2, let me, you know, Hummer, let me customize it from bing to bang and spend $200,000 on essentially a freaking car. But you like to hear things like that come out of, you know, a young guy's name uh, and and that's that's why and there's been some who like kind of criticize it but you know just because a young guy has a kid it, it doesn't automatically means like he did something wrong to get there yes he had a kid at a younger age but it also could mean that child could be a huge motivation in his life and you know even today you know I saw you know Kevin Zeitler. There's a picture of him sitting with his iPad, and here's Kevin Zeitler in the middle of June going through film, daughter in his lap, slapping her, you know, you know, drooly hands all over the iPad. But, you know, it's a commitment thing, and if you want to be one of the great ones, it's truly a 12 month gig, Pete.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and unfortunately, speaking of you know guys who have had a tough upbringing, his former teammate uh, Darius
0: Geis. Oh God, brutal.
1: Well, you know, it, if he has—is uh, it his niece or his baby cousin or
0: it was anyway, a boy? It was, I'm pretty sure. I I think it, it looked Braden. like a boy. Yeah, but it, the problem is now we are we're in such an error where I mean, look, even my daughter, she's Avery. Uh, we know male Averys. Um, it's you know, named by sexual orientation or you know what, you know, whatever the sex of the child. Doesn't necessarily add up, but I, from what I saw in the pictures, looked like a boy. But yeah, I mean, we're talking about a three-year-old kid got shot for God's sakes,
1: right? Like you know, because one of the things that Darius face was criticized about was, you know, sort of how how he was.
0: He played Fortnite, like, Pete. He played Fortnite.
1: Right. That was that was one of them. But it was just like how he was and all this. Well, you dig into his life and. You know, this seems to be basically like an, an unfortunately very, you know, too often occurrence with, you know, the the things he's, he's sort of gone through in terms of tragedy. So it's one of those things where like, you know, you do all the psych profiles and those type of things and you want to find out about these dudes habits and all this. But some of these guys, man, they go through so much where you're like, they are scarred or dealing with stuff. And, you know, it, 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 there's always the the, t- the point about, you know, football is their way out. But they're also still trying to, you know, grow up and deal with themselves. And, you know, I'm hoping what, you know, these teams, in, in his case, the Redskins, are – doing everything they can to sort of support this kid in, you know, just growing up. I mean, he obviously had a a bunch of things happen to him in terms of how he grew up and and people around him have been shot and killed at various points. And then you get to the NFL, you achieve that dream. And the first thing that happens is you immediately tear your, your ACL. You have this type of stuff happen. So, you know, he at least presents himself as a very, you know, a happy-go-lucky guy, but my God, he seems to have a lot of things go just awful around him in his life.
0: Yeah, and um, former NFL safety Will Hill, uh, he played uh, here in New Jersey. His coach, and it's a pretty predominant program, but his coach actually lives in my town. And, you know, I've gotten a chance to talk to him, you know, numerous times over the years, you know, running in the same circles or whatever. And, you know, he basically talked about how, you know, Will Hill was at his house all the time, sleeping over. And part of it was because was he needed to get academically right to get into the University of Florida, where he had a good career, ended up getting drafted, pretty much squandered his opportunity after that once he got to the NFL. But there were times where he would go home and, you know, maybe the electric was on. And if the electric was on, maybe the cable wasn't on, which meant no Wi-Fi, which meant he couldn't use his computer, which meant he couldn't do his schoolwork. And that's what some of these kids go through in, you know, I don't think people understand the you know the realness of that, and, and especially in this, you know, my kids, 95% of what they do schoolwork-wise is on a computer. They need these things. They need to be able to do them in order to you know be the students they need to be. And yeah, look, there's kids who blow it off and just blow and skirt past every damn thing they have to do and refuse to do it. But there are some of these kids, even in the toughest of circumstances, who are trying to do everything right. But because of you know whatever circumstances are above them they can't control it and it leads to these types of things and it's it's tough and it's really tough and cuz it's hard to you can't say every kid who comes from a bad situation is the same type of kid cuz there's some they just can't overcome what's come on gone on around them others you know they they do find a way to flourish through it and you know it's great but you know every story in that respect, is different. Um, we're gonna get to some listener questions here. Obviously, it's good to sit down, uh, you know, break the bread here with Pete, and uh, you know, we're getting closer and closer. And to think that it's a month out, and I know some of you are like agitated and you cannot wait. Trust me, guys, uh, it's summer. It's gonna go pretty quick.
1: It does for me. It does. It, everybody else, it's glacial, but it's flying by for me. So
0: yep, I mean, because I'm I to the point now. Relate. I'm to the point now where I'll barely see the kids because they will not be up when I leave to go to work. Um, You know, now that Mrs. L is done and her school year is over, she went to high school graduation today, got to say goodbye to her kids, the ones that are, you know, that, you know, graduated out of the program that she works with, and now they will be full bore. It'll be pools, beaches, and doing whatever they do, and, you know, most of the time it's I'll fall asleep before they get home. So, you know, for me, it's, oh, this is going to fly on, by. don't worry about that. You know, it'll be a whole bunch of crappy Mets baseball, and the next thing you know it, camp will be open. Uh, Untuck it. Always appreciate them for sponsoring Locked On Browns. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your uh, father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? And we'll get to this here in a second. You button up. You never button down. Whoever brought that up on Twitter the other day, you're all freaking insane. You start at the bottom to make sure you don't miss a button. I don't even know where you people were raised with that type of thing. But moving on. um, Your dad's button-ups are so long and baggy at the end of the day, it can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that is not sloppy. That's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the sh- uh, the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work on the weekends and obviously in summertime, 4th of July barbecues, going out fireworks, all that type of stuff. Uh, so you, know, you need to check that out. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to Untuck It.com. Promo code NFL to get 20% off. He, you would, it's it's you button up. You don't button down, right? I'm not alone here, right?
1: No, that's weird. Uh, if, but but then again, you're also you know you're working from a standpoint where, and maybe this is less true, but like there's a there's a lot of landmines at the top of the shirt that could get you in trouble. The bottom of the shirt is always safe. There's no way to fail. Well, my thing is, so, it's, it's okay. I, I, I to me that I, that's a no brainer. I, I go from the bottom
0: up. Well, my, my thing think. is, is if you're wearing a tie, it doesn't make a freaking difference because obviously you're buttoning the top button. So we'll do what you got to do, and you know. So are you walking around with your top button buttoned without a tie? And then everybody says, No, 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 I leave that open. Well, then you're not re- truly buttoning down because you're not going from the top button. You're always buttoning up that way. You level it off. You make sure it's freaking even, Steven, and you know you get that pillow or whatever, then you know you missed a button. The buttoning down, I mean, I don't know, maybe if you're like seven feet tall, it's easier to just reach there than it is to go down that low. But yeah, you're all, you know, for that crew, and, and we talked about this on Twitter the other day, you're all a bunch of mongrels. I don't know who raised you folks. Um, we do have uh, some good questions here, and we'll start with this one. And uh, Browns Freak 51, first things first, if everything goes right, I don't know if we care so much about the punting and the kicking. But we are, we will give it the attention it does need. Um, the kicking and the punting competition is working out, in my opinion. I'm probably in the minority, but I think that Greg Joseph is going to benefit immensely from last year's experience, and cannot see Colquitt unseated. I'll be honest. I think I agree with this. Um, And to this point, I think the kicking competition, it seems like Greg has been better. Look, it's going to be outside, and it's going to be tenuous, and it's going to go on a lot of this. But if you're only going to punt, you know, significantly less than shitty teams do, don't you want the guy who's got the proven track record of doing it right? The hammer, look, it sounds fantastic. But if the Browns are punting a whole bunch of times, Pete, from their own 25-yard line, we're going to be pissed to freak off anyway, so I don't care who's kicking it, who's punting it.
1: Yeah, I was on uh, with two Green Browns uh, podcast, the two Irish dudes, uh, yes. John and Neil. Uh, and
0: I talked you about... You can this. understand where they're coming from, though, of course.
1: Um, but the thing is, so when it comes to Gillen, I think he can kick the shit out of the ball. That's not really what you want. From punter. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're back in your own 10, it'd be great if he can bomb the ball 70 yards. Uh, but it becomes about the nuance of being able to put it on the right spot. And more important than anything, it's going to be holding. Um, and he apparently has limited experience with that. And some of the time at Arkansas Pine Bluff, he was kicking. So he couldn't hold. So right. that that may be the reason he ultimately doesn't win is because Colquich is better at that stuff. Now, the thing they apparently found out uh, talking to, they had Gillen, the well-traveled uh, 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 Scottish punter who's a fantastic conversation, uh, and apparently they had talked to him. and appa- He's apparently a coffin corner guy, which is near and dear to my heart. I love that shit, but that's gone out of style with the NFL. Everybody wants the dump the ball uh,
0: Make it land at the nine and we'll figure yeah, it out from there.
1: And get it to spin, you know, bounce right so you can hit But I, uh, you know, I, I think cuff and corner, if you're good at it, is the safest bet you can possibly have. Uh, so I'm interested. My 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 expectation is that he will not win the job. I think Colquitt will win it this year, but he may end up on the practice squad and in a year, and it becomes more about learning to hold properly than anything, and that nuance as far as a punter. Then he may have a shot at it next year. Kicking-wise, I'm fascinated by the dynamic of Mike Prefer, the, the special teams coach, talked when he got the job that, you know, that knuckleball shit that, that Greg Joseph was doing was something he thought was fixable. And it sounds like that's exactly what's happened, that he fixed it. And yep. yet, they used the fifth-round pick on Austin Seibert, Um you know, so I assume Seibert's going to win. I mean, John Dorsey has cut uh, draft picks in their rookie year before. Uh, I mean, Kavari Russell was obviously the most notable, but uh, Kevin Hogan was a fifth-round pick. Um, you know, there was a guy last year he probably should have done that with. But the, I, I do feel like, you know, unless Cyber really screws the pooch, he's going to win that job. But there's also a part of me that feels like all of this, everything up until basically like the preseason and the last week of camp is all pretext to bullshit, and whoever's hot at that exact moment yep. is probably going to win, and all this other stuff doesn't matter. Uh, but
0: Some, I, One of them's going to kick a 48-yard 48 48 yard field goal in the third quarter of the fourth preseason game, and it'll be able to, I guess we'll just ride the hot hand.
1: Yeah, that, that 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 honestly is what it feels like. But again, this could be another situation where you know one of them gets cut and and put on the practice squad. But you know, I, it really it inch- interests me that the idea that it, it seems like Prefer did exactly what he thought he could do, and yet they still use the fifth round pick on Seibert, So I'm kind of curious to see how that works, but.
0: Sider. And it also seems weird, because Joseph is going around, uh, you know, apparently the U.S. men's team is training in the area, and Joseph's showing up, and and this is the thing, because we talked about this with the rookies, it seems almost like any Brown whatsoever that kind of fits some sort of event, these guys are, you know, they're sending him out there.
1: Yeah, so I don't know where this one's going. I, I You know, I, my base standpoint is they drafted a the dude, he's going to win the job, but, you know, it, it would be... Equal parts frustrating and uh, notable and credible that if if Greg Joseph is the better kicker and they ultimately keep him over the guy they used a, a draft pick on, which again, um, when it this is the pick that was gained in the Josh Gordon trade, I you will never hear me complain that they didn't get anything for that. I think just getting rid of him and exercising that demon and that getting out of that jail uh that prison of his status is worth it, but it would be it would be funny if they just if they ultimately cut the dude they got for him.
0: Well for me though I mean and I'll say it this way though, if I'm trying to tell some of you people that look, I don't know if there's a guarantee that Mac Wilson, who is a fifth round pick for this team, has a home here, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply the same thing to Cybert obviously in 10 times more. I, I I can't guarantee just because they drafted a kicker and look it, it's been shaky to start and it always is with rookie kickers early um and then you look i mean his track record for big long kicks was just whatever you're gonna need these kickers for anyway um you you know you're going to be looking to win games so even if it's marginal you're going to look to go for it you know i, I you know I don't think a lot of field goals are gonna make the freaking difference here. Because you're not going to settle for three when you're looking at Odell Beckham. You're looking at Jarvis Landry. You're looking at Rashard Higgins. You are looking at Antonio Callaway. You're looking at David Njoku. You're looking at Nick Chubb. You're looking after this, into the second half at Kareem Hunt. And for still now, Duke Johnson. And of course, you're looking at number six, freaking Baker Mayfield. I, I, I don't care. Um, Look, can you hit from 48? Because, you know, otherwise... You know, I want to chase the seven because the defense has improved this year and we should be able to have some aspects there. But just, you know, if you get 21 opportunities and you make 19, that's freaking fine. You're not going to get a lot of field goal opportunities, but freaking make the ones you get.
1: I I hope there's not a lot of field goal opportunities. So I I hope there's a lot of aggressiveness on fourth down. So in that respect, I'm kind of looking at, personally, I'm looking for the guy who's good at coming in cold because that would be the, a lot of the situation. I don't yep. want a guy that feels like he needs to kick the ball in the game three times before he can really warm up. I need the guy to come in on the spot and make the kicks, uh, you know, at the end of halves. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the Browns are super aggressive on fourth down uh, because they have so much talent. Like, the the, the most terrifying thing you can do on four, fourth down to me, I think, especially in those really short, short yardage areas, I think I think opposing teams will have a, a sigh of relief when they see the field goal kicker come out or the punter come out. Uh, I think it, it there's a, a fear element that comes with rolling out your offense and keeping them out there because there's the fear that they are going to convert and, and potentially not settle for threes, but get sixes.
0: And, and yeah, absolutely. Mm. I don't want that. I want points. I want a lot of points. Um, there's way too much firepower here to spend this much time on the kicker, in my opinion. Uh, make your freaking extra points, and we'll figure out the rest. And you'll always find some veteran lying around within the weeds who somehow ends up on the wrong side of things. Um, Kevin Roth, um, and, and we—I know we've gone over this, and I—I'm I I, sure we're still, you know, in the same mind here, in the same step here. Um, in the way-too-early-to-predict category, and we actually predicted it earlier than your question, Kevin, who does your crystal ball say will be the most shocking cut as they trim on down to the 53? will again, enable this. It might not be cut, but it might be move on from as far as trade. But, yeah, there's going to be some candidates here, Pete.
1: Right. The, I hate to have to do this, and I did it on that pod too. I'm giving credit to Hiram. What? He mentioned? Yeah. I didn't think of it, and the money's actually not bad, is uh, Morgan Burnett. Okay. Because if Jermaine Whitehead is good enough, and and granted, Morgan Burnett has not done anything. He hasn't been healthy. Uh, They have not, you know, or hasn't been healthy enough where they want to put him out there.
0: It almost felt like at the time it was a a throw-you-a-bone type of signing. I hated it then. Uh, I don't love it anymore
1: now. Well, even because
0: the the thing was, is when they signed him from Pittsburgh, he was uncomfortable with the fact that they were essentially playing him as a pseudo linebacker. He didn't like that. He still thought he was a traditional safety. Whereas when we talk about him, what do we think about him? Well, he'd be really nice in that box role. So if he's not comfortable with that and he still thinks he's a traditional safety, maybe that could be an issue. Right, it,
1: it, you know, so both of those guys, him, you know, Morgan Burnett and Jermaine Whitehead, are both competing to be that box safety guy. Um, neither one is really well suited to uh, playing coverage, and both should come off the field as often as possible when they're in obvious passing situations. But if Jermaine Whitehead can do it, I don't see a reason that they're going to ultimately keep Morgan Burnett, given the fact that uh, they know him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that I mean, there's just you know, he's not heading in a direction where it gets better. No. Um, he's obviously had some significant injuries uh in his career that have hurt him.
0: And let's be honest, a- we're not talking about a guy who was a, you know, year in, year out freaking pro bowler here either.
1: Right. So he's one that stands out to me and the other one that I could see happening and, and uh and that would be chris smith um he's not a bad player i think he's actually fine in terms of when you can line him up on the inside and let him be a pass rusher uh what i but but based on how much he's paid versus how much he actually get used yep. like he's basically like the worst contract down for down on the on the bronze roster he's making like four million dollars and he doesn't play Barely at all, and you know, if if guys like Zettel or they want to keep uh, Chad Thomas around for another year, uh, and you know maybe he's he, he warrants it, uh, you know we'll see. I doubt it, but maybe they still do. Um, that you know that, that a guy like Chris Smith just maybe he's not a bad football player, but just maybe you know. It, it, it makes a lot of sense next year as a potential cut, but they may just go ahead and say, eh, I'd rather keep Zettel, or eh, I'd rather keep Chad Thomas, uh, or somebody else that they feel like can help them more.
0: Well, the problem with Chris Smith is is he brought you this interesting standpoint that he was a little bit undersized, but a quicker guy who could play inside. But now, where you already have that front four entrenched, and then you throw in Gennard Avery... You throw in Zettel. Uh, you throw in some other guys. And now it might be, be, uh, be more where, you know, you're more comfortable with a Sheldon or Richardson or a Larry Ogunjobi or even Miles not being on the field on first and 10. And then you can rotate in because, look, Miles can go inside. And we've already seen this in some of the OTA stuff. Um, you know, Olivier can obviously play either side because you've already brought him in here to play against, you know, right tackles. So obviously he can easily go back to the left side where he's comfortable. The Jannard Avery kind of maybe blew up Chris Smith's spot here. So, you know, it makes sense for Chris Smith. Um, you go to the wide receiver position. Look, you know you're four deep in stone already. Um, you have Damian Ratley who had a nice resume if you factor in his draft, you know, where you drafted and what you spent on him. Derek Willis, it was a small amount, but it, it wasn't bad for what it was and what you had invested in him. And then you bring in, you know, the Ish Hyman's, the, you know, the, the Damian Sheehy Giuseppe's. There's going to be a wide receiver that walks out of here. Um, and even, uh, Pete, who uh, the guy you keep touting, the local kid. The
1: guy I keep touting, the local kid.
0: The wide, at the wide receiver position.
1: Oh, oh, uh, Dorian Baker. Yeah, I,
0: I mean, there's that, and then then you go to the secondary, though. I mean, you know, you have these. If Greedy hits the ground running, uh, you have Mitchell, you have Carey, you have Gaines. You know,
1: that's that's the one where I think is going to end up
0: because one uh, of these guys is you know one of these guys is not going to be thrilled if they're a veteran and you're going into week one and they can see you know them and their agency can see you know read between the lines and saying. I'm the fifth cornerback then I don't want to be here I'd rather go somewhere where I can play uh I, my guess it would be either gains or carry I, I think Mitchell because I think ideally you could probably just kick town Denzel and it's Denzel's gonna take care of some of those pain in the ass slot guys and I think he can he, he can do it inside or out but if he can go ahead and take care of those guys too that's just a bigger coup
1: um. Yeah, Philip Gaines uh, seems like the guy who's going to ultimately get beat, and, and it, it's not because he's bad. I think he's actually a, a fine fourth, fifth corner. Uh, I just think it'll come down to.
0: I could go play more reps somewhere else for a shittier team.
1: Uh, it's not. It's not. It's not a matter of what he wants. It's more along the lines of, look, he's a he's a a one year disposable corner, and we like so and so. who We want to keep around for a while, and we think can ultimately surpass him uh, type deal. You know, I I think, and he's got, you know, he's got a, a basically a, a a vet uh, minimum type deal. He's like 700,000 or something, but but I I think it, it it will come down to somebody else they think has more viability. They don't want to let him get out onto the market and get scooped up and it's easier. And, 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 you know, if all else fails, you know, gains may be a guy that they can potentially bring back, uh, You know, if he's he may be a guy that's out there if they need him again. Uh,
0: No doubt. And uh, to um, just going to jump into this real quick, Uh, Benjamin Albright. uh, You know, obviously Pete sight with him. uh, You know, I'm I'm good with him. Uh, Ben is a great dude, and he's a great thing to see, you know, as the rung of the football ladder. Uh, He's going to head on over to iHeart now and just a bigger and better platform for Ben as he just continues to rise and rise above. And you love to see it for guys like this, and he's always kind of done, you know, I always think of, when I think of Ben Albright, I think Frank Sinatra in my way. Um, I know a lot of people don't agree with it, but uh, he's always done it his way, and at at the end of the day, he knows he's been putting in the work and didn't care about anything else that's gone on. And see the success grow, absolutely, absolutely thrilled to see that for somebody like him. Um, our buddy, uh, actually, i got one more to get to here on the ads. All right, guys. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. A couple of days off here. Uh, the folks at Grip6. Uh, again, as always, thank you for the sponsorship of Locked On Browns. The goal is to literally make the best belt that has ever been made. Grip6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for males, for females. They do have female line now, so go ahead check it out. Ultra lightweight, no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the bet belt super comfortable. Grip6, again, is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip6 is a special offer for all of you at Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Go ahead, check it out. Now, from our buddy Giovanni Ruvis. Pete, um, obviously, Kayla's the local kid, and Donnie Lewis. This is a name that's going to be intriguing because if Donnie Lewis can go to training camp healthy, he's he's got some skill to him, and this probably piggybacks off of what we were just talking about, the cornerback position. And you throw in a Tavier Thomas, who was an ace special teamer last year.
1: Right. So the big thing, you know, the the, the – Browns have said, or Freddie Kitchens has said, they expect him to be ready for camp. Um, You know, that was one where I wasn't sure, you know, because there was very little detail. He had a Jones fracture, uh, which is a no-joke injury. Um, You know, if they're saying he's going to be ready, then, then you know, I don't know if it'll end up being an injury stash situation, and ultimately they may expect him to make the roster or end up on the practice squad or something like that. it Maybe be, you know, this year, Simeon Thomas, although a hell of a lot more reasonable than Simeon Thomas was. Um, Kyle Kalis, I, I think is, is going to prove himself to be an NFL lineman. It's just a question of if it's here or somewhere else. Um, I think he has center guard versatility. Um, so he, you know, he has shown to this point that he's got ability, I think when the Pats come on, he's going to be fine. I don't know if he'll be as good as Corbett or, you know, as good as Cush. But, I, I you know, and I don't know if he's ultimately going to, you know, make it here. But I think he's going to play somewhere in the NFL this year. Um, and it could be that that uh, Wiley slash Austin Ryder situation where, you know, hell, he may end up on the Chiefs uh, and just be another in the in the pipeline of former Browns offensive lineman to play for the Chiefs.
0: It does make a ton of sense. There is no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, I think they've done the best part they could is, you know, even though they don't think they are tremendously deep, but they brought in as many capable bodies, and we keep talking about this with the offensive line position, um, that is one stone that may not be unturned yet. Any availability, somebody gets cut. There's going to be, there will be a weird name cut, a couple of weird names cut here. Whether or not it's an offensive lineman, we'll see. From 32 teams, so that is something they could look to approach. Um, with Donnie Lewis Jr., that's it, it's look. I mean, obviously, it's going to start with a little special teams work. Um, if he can be a gunner, Thomas, who knows? If if, if you know, th- there's other guys in here which can make the cornerback position, you know, become very young. Whereas last year, you know, obviously it was Denzel and a, a, a bunch of veterans. Um, it, it could get really young really quick at the cornerback position, and that's not a bad thing because you're going to save a freaking crap ton of money there. Even though you got a first and a second round pick, you don't have a bunch of veterans around. You've got a seventh rounder, and obviously uh, Tavier Thomas was an undrafted guy. So if you can get to that and you find a way to save some money there, it's not a terrible, terrible thing. Um, Pete, it's been a couple of days, Browns-wise, league-wise, it's got to be something we something we haven't gotten to something we've missed. Um,
1: nothing really league wise seems to be going on. There's you know, there's a jackass radio guy from Kansas City who's who's uh, put himself in an awkward position. Uh, he allegedly suggested that Andy Reid has trouble fixing people. Uh, justifying this by saying that because he couldn't fix his son who passed away, That's that was evidence of his inability to deal with Tyree Kill, which is every bit awful, and I expect that will have some, uh, some swift action taken
0: to it. Uh, so if you're looking for a radio gig, is what Pete's saying is, you might want to start sending some applications out in the Kansas City area.
1: But, yeah, I mean, it, it, every bit of that is awful. <laughs> Unfortunately, I also feel like this provides a little bit of cover for the Chiefs on a situation that shouldn't get any. But, yeah, this this is uh, – it, it's really difficult to somehow find a way to take a situation as ugly as this one and find yourself on the wrong end of it. And yet, uh, this guy ma- apparently has managed to uh, – Potentially, you know, he doesn't catch passes from one touchdown, so in a lot of ways, he may be viewed as worse than uh, the guy who actually did these things. So, yeah, um, I I I don't know if this guy has a reputation as being like a shock jock type that's trying to get attention for saying something that's over the edge, um, but uh, my guess is this this results in uh, him trying to find some another job in another market.
0: Um, yeah, and it'll be like, you know, Saskatchewan because, you know, that, that that's not going to work out very well. And this actually kind of gets into something that somebody brought to me to, you know, a couple of people brought up to me, you know, yesterday and today. Um, similar to, obviously you guys know, the New York Mets. Um, it's not been going very well. And then yesterday it blew up where the manager was going after a beat reporter. And then because the manager was upset, the starting one of the starting pitchers decided to go after the beat reporter and tried to tell him in no uncertain terms, I'm going to fuck you up, um, which is all wrong in any case. Look, um, and some people, and this was the thing, some people wanted to equate it to Baker. I think Baker is kind of having his fun with Tony Grossi, and I think Tony's kind of taking it taking it for the team because it helps him and it keeps his name being brought up. Um, But in the same respect, look, uh, you deal with it. Um, And every media has got their bad section of it. And we've talked about this a million times. And it's not wanting to put in more work and taking all that is around now and all that is available with its knowledge, with its all 22, and making yourself a better reporter and making yourself a better analyst and more thorough in what you do. Um, Glad it's not gotten to that point. Um, But yes, usually when times get really crappy, you see a lot of crappy out of people in crappy times, which isn't good, but uh, if this team does what it's supposed to, none of this hopefully will be an issue, and, you know, some of these folks, they're going to get bypassed by people who can cover better and talk about the on-field play and in-game strategy and all that type of stuff a million times better, so it's, you know, and we started to say it as last year went on, you know, when the success and the W started coming, it's... It's either get better or get bypassed. Um, but look, I mean, the media's got a job to do. Um, obviously, there's always those with their axes to grind, and you know they, they do it the wrong way. But y- you got to deal with it, and you are a professional. You, you are paid to do something, and you're going to get critiqued over it. And God knows, I mean, you guys are given Pete and I our fair share of abuse over things that we do not agree with or things that don't seem popular. And then things that we do really like, we even get our shit there too, Pete.
1: Yeah. Um, so obviously the Mickey Calloway and Vargas situation went too far. Um, there is certainly an element of look, you know, whether it's digital or a guy, you know, what you know, a, a actual columnist that's writing, you know, writing an actual newspaper article. There is an element where you know the player or manager you know you show up to their work they get you know they they do get their chance to sort of say something if they don't you know like something or whatever it just can't go to the point where we're you know talking about physical violence and and all these things you've got to and look you know baseball especially if you're doing as poorly as the mets um you know it's also it's
0: daily it's daily so it's not like six days later i see you again
1: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that's that's why it's a different deal, even than like, you know, football, you know, they talk about the bunker mentality and all that, but it's just different because baseball, it is that day-to-day thing and every decision can be questioned, every move or every time a player does something, you know, there's that protection angle where you don't know what the player's actually dealing with in his personal life or whatever, something may be going awful. Uh, in his life, divorce, or you know, whatever, sick kid, whatever it is. Uh, but that, that, you know, that that there's sort of an understood that there has to be room for that back and forth. But you know, you get to this point where now we're you're trying to go through people, and, and it remind you know this naturally reminds me of Ryan Leaf, yep. uh, and and that situation. But and that's the closest thing you'll ever get to um you'll ever get to that baseball field is training camp when it's that everyday sort of thing and and locker room accessibility has changed a little bit uh that ryan leaf was just sort of he was just sort of left there to, to to deal with it and wasn't really you know in addition to his own feelings i don't think he was handled terribly well but yeah this is one of those things where it's unfortunate i don't i i don't know enough about the specifics about what was said or or whatever but yeah, there, there's there's an art to being able to let off steam as a coach or a manager or whatever, uh, and obviously Mickey Calloway uh, failed that, and then Vargas made it worse. So, you know, I think the the real lesson here is that baseball sucks, and the Mets suck worse. So don't watch it and, and just move on. No, the, the baseball's fine. It's just there are certain things in baseball like this type of stuff that just drive you nuts with Like how childish certain people are in it and some of the dumb shit people do. And this is one of those examples where it's just like, come on, man, it's a a game and I get it, your life, all that stuff. But at the same time, and and this is to both sides, uh, you know, to the columnists and writers and everybody that you have to, you know, they've got to do their job. You've got to let them do his. But Jesus Christ, man, you've got got to find got to find where to cut it off.
0: Well, and, and the bottom line of it all here is, is with the New York Mets, is they want to parade themselves like they are a top-shelf top franchise. Their ownership will not spend the money. So Mickey Calloway can't say when they're questioning about his bullpen, yeah, I need two guys. Nobody here is going to spend the freaking money to get me the freaking two guys. If we get better with what we have, maybe they'll spend a little money. He can't do that. He can't say that. But it leads to this, and meanwhile – the writers themselves know it, but you know they have to get their stories read, and this is how you get into these situations, when everybody kind of knows the underly- underlying factor, where you know the Wilpons, who own the New York Mets, are a freaking joke. I mean, you got taken for a ride in a Ponzi scheme for Christ's sakes by Monty, Bernie Madoff, but you don't care about it, you don't do anything about it, and you know you don't understand that. Well, if I spend the money, then holy shit, maybe my ballpark is full every day, but the manager obviously cannot say that, the players cannot say that. And the beat writers are still going to take their shots because that's what they're allowed to do. They've got the pen. They've got the, you know, they, they've got the audience. It's, it just leads to a crappy, crappy situation. Pete Brown's Maven. What's in the hopper?
1: Uh, yeah. So
0: <laughs> you got a good laugh here. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> no, no. It's, it's like, because we're in this sort of like truly dead space. Uh, I was listening to like, Uh, the radio on my way into our football workouts and and i saw some mention about odell beckham like being mad about something and i never saw anything about it so like even the stuff like that seems to be trying to get some traction is it so no you know i'm basically not messing with any of that stuff so like the thing i did Today and yesterday was about undrafted rookies and, and sort of where I feel about them. I've got, you know, another one of those I'm working on, or I should say it's done and in the hopper, and I was waiting for, like, the, the news fairy to sort of dump something on me to help me out.
0: Somebody uh, give me something. I, this is what we're you know, This is where we're at right now. Somebody give me something, Browns, guys.
1: No, no, I mean, like, I, I, there's going to be enough of these to get through, but, like, I don't want to end up in a spot where I have nothing, and, I, you know, I, I don't want to – I don't want to put a a column up or a video or anything talking about a player sending shoes to another player. Um, So, uh,
0: hey, hey, uh, Mary Kay.
1: Yeah, so we're good on that. But like, you know, I'm I'm open to spread these up. So, you know, unless something happens between now and tomorrow morning, uh, the next one I have uh, in the can is about Willie Wright, who I really like. Um, I don't know if he'll make it here, but I really like his talent. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. But, the, you know, the, the, a lot of these sort of right now is focusing on so, some of these uh, unheard of players that might have a shot. So J.T. Hassel with, you know, Brian Finney and Ganofo, who, who, both of which I think have really good shots to make the roster. Uh, Willie Wright, I, I think, will make a roster. It's a question of who's. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I'm trying to hit on some of those unsung players. And it seems like those have. Done pretty well so far, so hopefully that will continue.
0: And the other thing though is, is like even as much as we would like some Browns news right now, the last thing Peter I want is so and so did this or so and so at four o'clock in the morning was in a car with a kid with marijuana and guns and. So we'll be okay with, you know, you guys feeding us questions, getting everything through here this next month to the 24th to 25th of July where we can start talking about training camp because we don't want anything to alter this roster right now. So the last thing you want, and and this is, you know, yes, if you write and you cover it, you you have to talk about it, but I don't want it, you don't want it. There's, There's some potential headaches here as it is, As you know, who've had—I don't want to say potential—they've had headache issues. Let's just get to July 24th, July 25th, with all the names that we we know now, and everything is okay. We don't want somebody hurt and getting hurt in a workout. We don't want any of that off-field crap. Just we'll find a way to make our—we'll find a way to get ourselves to July 24th and July 25th.
1: No, I don't want anything bad to happen. At the same time, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if uh, you know some some contract extensions or re- reworked contracts got uh, knocked. out. Oh, that'd be out.
0: fun to talk about, sure,
1: absolutely. Oh, so, uh, yeah, that's that would be that would be good, but that 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 would help us get over there, uh, get over the hump.
0: Yes. Um, so, uh, Pete's work. Check it out. Uh, at first things first, on Twitter at BrownsMaven. Uh Also, uh, you know, BrownsMaven.com. At underscore Pete Smith, make sure you're following over there, guys. Look, you know we continue to put out uh, pump out stuff each day, each and every day, obviously. So make sure you're following over there. Um, the pot, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account at Lockdown Browns, all lowercase. Make sure you're following over there. Keep it a follow back account. Um, we found an app, guys. So for all of you that are coming for the cheap follows, you're getting booted as quick as you are for the follow one follow. Don't do that crap. Come on, I I I do this. I don't have to do it. First of all. I do it for so many of the people who listen to the show who are older and not big into Twitter. Um, if you're here for the following, and nah, now nah, we, we we found the app and it doesn't re, it doesn't discount amount of followers, so you're here for that. Psh, no, boom, gone. Um, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, send a follow over there. Um, we're gonna fill this here, you know, through the next month. Um, we, we're, I'm still working with some players here, trying to get some guys on here. Guys, if, you know, anybody you want, guys and gals, anybody you want on the show player-wise, look, I mean, you help me feed them on social media. Um, we'll, you know, we'll do our best to do it. I'd love to talk to these guys before the season starts. It's hard to talk to them with it, you know, during the season. A lot of guys don't want to do it, but there's times where they do have to do it, you know, obviously with certain, you know, radio and stuff, like, you know, because the franchise asked them to do it, which ends up becoming part of their job. Um, so that will do. Maybe we'll start dabbling a little bit. draft rise, you know, which is fun because it's starting to look like a fun class. Of course, every class looks kind of fun, you know, this time of year. But maybe we'll start dabbling, you know, dabbling and dipping our toes into that. Um, so that's some stuff will carry us through here for the next month as we, you know, get to which is probably the most. This has probably got to be the most anticipated training camp since the franchise was brought back. Now
1: um the only other one that you know it's it's not going to reach the level this one will but it again that 2008 season went after the year they went 10 and 6 uh was a big deal uh and of course it immediately shit the bed so hopefully this one goes a lot better but yeah there's going to be more media covering this one than uh than this team has seen in quite a while and and again i think there's going to be a lot of shock and adjustment from people that aren't used to that both in in uh the media and just onlookers
0: yeah and it's you know it, it's it's going to be something so uh you know for everybody who's anti- looking forward to it and i've seen all the tweets today about you know getting their tickets and going out to it enjoy every second of it sit there with your fingers crossed and just make sure everyone makes it healthy and get to when it counts um, and, and that's kind of where with that, I can't, I can't believe we did a show where Pete gave a shout out to Hiram, for Christ's sakes, my God, I gonna have to edit that one out, but, uh, look, you know, I guess we'll go with this, sun shines on a, sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while, Pete, right? Broken clock. And there you go. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.